Hello and welcome to Get Your Play On, the industry podcast for playwrights and theatre makers. I'm Sam Brady. And I'm Ginny Manning. In this episode, we get the lowdown on the brilliant opportunities provided by Rural Touring with our guest, Sue Robinson. Sue is Artistic Director of Culturopedia and Spot on Rural Touring, which takes professional theatre productions to rural areas. So this interview was recorded before lockdown and obviously Rural Touring is on hold just now. But we have spoken with Sue since the interview and she's confident that everything we discussed will still be valid after this current crisis. In fact, she's already talking to artists about their ideas for 2021 and beyond. So give her a ring if you've got something to discuss. Rural touring is something that many theatre makers and playwrights overlook, but with a network of 2,000 venues running two seasons a year, there are a lot of opportunities for getting work on. So here's me and Sam talking to Sue Robinson. I was arty at school, so I always got involved in the school play and I did um, all the piano lessons and was quite musical as well. But it wasn't a school that took you out to see shows, so I'm trying to remember, and my parents didn't really take me to see shows, but I sort of liked it somehow. But it was a very traditional school, so when you went to, you know, your career advisor and I said, I want to work in the arts. She was startled like a rabbit. <laughs> so she's like, they usually want to do teaching or they want to be lawyers. And this one's like totally off, her, you know, what she knew. She was a chemistry teacher. So I knew probably when I was 17, I was going to have to do this myself because okay. it, it was just, there was nobody there to help me. And I wrote to the assembly rooms in Derby. No, I wrote to the Derby Playhouse and said, could I come and do a placement with you? And they took me on for a week, bless them, and they let me paint sets and they let me watch a rehearsal and then I went out propping. And they just gave me a really nice little piece of work experience and I thought, I really like this. I actually think I might want to do more of this. So then I wrote to the Derby Assembly Rooms saying, can I do work experience? And they said, yeah, you can come and be a stage casual, we'll pay you. Um, And I really liked that and I I realised now I could have developed a career in technical theatre, but at the time I just wanted to leave home go to university because that's what you did and I ended up at Lancaster not doing an arts degree but drama was part of what I did and got involved in drama there and then I got really into it's in the 80s things go around so it was all sort of social justice and environmental campaigns and I thought if you got into traveling theatre you could change the world through social justice theatre um, and then I graduated and then of course you know you don't get a job in social justice theatre and I did a postgrad in community arts at Manchester Poly. So I came into my professional world through community development, politics and community arts. And then from there you're in you're in the system, so then you hear about jobs and you learn the skills. So for me, I sort of fell into it by following my nose and I guess it was a time when, you know, people do say, yeah, we come and be a stage casual. And I just struck lucky. But you, that one step then leads to another step and then another step. And that's how I got into the arts. Amazing. We yeah. we, we talk a lot about um, looking for opportunities and how it, sometimes it's initially just the very first one that sets you on your yeah. way. Seems to me there's quite a vocational element, though, to your yeah. to your career, especially entering into the community. And do, do you feel like that? 
Yeah, I've always had a, a sense of justice. I think that's run through everything. We've always, as a company, it's been about including as many people as possible. So we're like running projects where the audience are. We use the word diverse now, but but then you you call them. You'd, you'd want to make sure that you're not excluding people because of price or all the other reasons why people don't feel safe or comfortable walking into a theatre and that it's their right because it's public funded yeah. and so the public should be able to enjoy it. And then I was originally driven by sort of highbrow sort of political ambitions of being an environmental activist and that's less now, I guess. Um, but I still feel very strongly that the best fun that we can have as a company is when you see your audience having a good time. And I think that's that driving force of including people in something that's fun that keeps us going yeah. now. I think that's just age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just changed. Well, I think that's a timeless 19, idea. <laughs> I was a member of Greenpeace and it was all meat and murder, meat is murder. And now I can see other generations going through the similar patterns, but we've gone through running a business and I guess finding yeah. new things to be involved in or work in different ways. But, uh, so tell us about Culturopedia then. So uh, Culturopedia a... is a company myself and my husband Rob set up and we came up with this word because we were talking about the idea of a repository of knowledge. Yeah. Like a Wikipedia or an encyclopedia. And we came up with this sort of, well it's a sort of a culturalpedia type thing. And that's where it started. It's nice because it kind of encompasses anything because we, we say we exist to give ideas legs. So whether it's rural touring or library touring or the work we do, with we work with Burning Mechanics Front Room or a festival underneath it all is this project management development. And this idea of, uh, well, of uh, giving ideas legs, yeah. that really sort of fits in, I suppose, with what we're doing with the podcast, because yes. um, our, our listeners are playwrights and theatre makers who've got lots yeah. of ideas, yeah. um, but it's like, yeah, how do you give those ideas yeah. legs, how do you get those yes. in front of an audience? So what um, what does Culturopedia on spot on represent in terms of opportunities that you can give to playwrights and theatre yeah. makers? Well, in terms of spot on, um, we have a structure. So we are part of a movement across the UK of rural touring that's been going for about 25, 30 years. Um, Spot on is a project. It's a service we run in partnership with Cheshire Rural Touring Arts. It's part of a consortium, national portfolio organisation. And we work in partnership with rural communities and village halls there are exceptions to this or developments to it, and enable them to host and promote professional touring, theatre, music, children's shows. Um, and we do that by offering them a curated menu twice a year. And this curated menu effectively filters out all the shows that are just too overwhelming, too expensive, too inappropriate for a tiny venue to cope with, and for a volunteer who's sitting at home with the emails to cope with. Yeah. And we sort of give a quality mark to the shows, we know that technically they will fit them, we've negotiated the fees, we know the marketing, and they come with a trusted People trust brand. You. And then that menu goes out to our uh, member, network members, and they choose what they want. And twice a year we curate a season or a programme. So we try to say it's a bit like a theatre season, but with most theatres it's one building and you can see what's going on in there for th- three months a year and then they do another season. For us, 
our theatre is lots and lots of different stages all around the county in village halls and we also work in libraries in exactly the same way. So we create a theatre experience for a night in partnership with those volunteers, those librarians. And that's a, a UK-wide um, movement. So I think if you're a writer uh, or a theatre maker, then there's entry points into that where if you've produced a show and you think it's tourable into those spaces, you can come and have a conversation with us. And if it's ready to go in terms of you've got your marketing pack and your uh, your pricing's right, you've thought through all the technical challenges of going up a rural yeah. uh, lane into a village hall, then we can have a conversation with you about whether it, it will work and then we can help book that tour through our, our networks. Um, but it's okay if you just have an idea as well, because even if it's not something that's going to sell in the next six months, but you're thinking two or three years down the line, it's absolutely fine to ring us and chat through ideas. And we really like that because we really like being in at the beginning of things. If a show comes to us ready-made, but suddenly it's too big for half our venues, that's really frustrating for us. And it's a missed market for the theatre company to not have had that conversation really early on. And we can spot that and kind of go, it's a great idea. When you're developing it, remember to talk to us about technical and remember to talk to us who we think our audiences are. Because there's a market of 2,000 venues across England. And if you get it right, then you get that market, and that market can keep you going for quite a long time. So it's worth mm. taking time. I know if you're a theatre maker or a producer, you know, you're earning money, and that's really important to you. But if you can take the time to have conversations with people, it'll help you mm. in the long run to get into that sector. So uh, what, you know, these 2,000 venues, yeah, What they're quite diverse, aren't yeah, they? yeah. Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're mostly, the rural touring networks are mostly village halls. So they don't have comfy seats. They might not even have a license for, for alcohol. Um, they certainly won't have raked seating. They might have a stage. So it's just an empty space and you have to bring everything you need into it. And then you're working with a local audience or local promoters who may or may not be art specialists, but they're like, putting on events and doing things in their village. So you need a certain um, certain level of communication skills yeah. in order to work your way through that. And that might not be what you're about if you're a writer or a theatre maker. You might really like being on the art side of things, in which case get someone else to have the communication skills. Let them do the work. Yeah, I, I imagine a, a large part of it is respecting the authority of that person who's in that in that place that they yeah. You know. yeah well we say with rural touring and library touring the artist is the guest and the audience is the host yeah whereas in a theatre that power relationship is yeah. the other way around yeah. so you're invited in as an artist and you're chosen to be there yeah but you're going into someone else's front room yeah, yeah. I and really some... liked that as yeah. a performer what I enjoyed about rural touring um it's just is that that thing. So you're in um, you're in this you're in their space mm. and the audience, and they behave really differently from a theatre audience. Where a theatre audience is very respectful and yes. quiet. And uh, when I did my show, there was one bit where a character has an outburst, and it's really quite shocking. And there's quite a quiet moment. Yeah. And I delivered this line, and the audience went really quiet. And then someone went, "Oh heck!" 
<laughs> and, it was, and it was gorgeous because it was like a real genuine response yeah. of this person you know yes. and they will the audience will kind of comment on things as yeah. it goes along yeah. it's a it's a really great thing i think i think what's really lovely is that intimacy i mean your audience is in front of you so if you if you like if you like your fourth wall and you like to be safe it, it might not be for you and that's fine because it's good to know what you don't like as well but if you like hearing your audience feeding back or you could see them um and of course they're very instant in yeah. their their feedback as well mm. we had people yeah. chatting to you good afterwards. and bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> not for me not for me last but yeah. there you go At least you know. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. well i think it's you know if that's saturday night if that's what everyone's going to do on their saturday night is come and see yeah. the show then yeah. it, it, it i mean we use the kind of language of, of you know social capital or overcoming isolation all those really important things about community development that you forget the arts offer so if you've got a great night out great theatre company or um, touring into your village hall it's also means for the community to come together yeah. and then so things like the interval we talk a lot about this it's almost like a running joke in rural touring that the show has to have an interval and it's because the art is part of the night out and the, the host wants to make it a, an evening for yeah. their audience um, and having a beer or a cup of tea in the interval is as much a part of that experience as it is sitting and watching a show um, and people like to feel they've had a night out it's not not yeah. like going to a studio theatre and seeing an hour and then you go somewhere else you, yeah. you're coming for the, the gathering well, as a writer that's that's significant that would be an important thing for yeah. me to know yeah in terms of in terms of not not if I was writing specifically for rural touring but in a play it would have to have that break in that action mm -hmm. wouldn't it yeah without bringing attention yes. I mean that, that, that that's yes. that's important yeah it is yeah. um, and we can see that that creates dilemmas and also particularly with dance companies because most dance shows are an hour yeah and because that's how they're designed and dancers are very physical so we try and talk to people about add-ons and other things like could you do a talk or a Q&A yeah. or is there something at the beginning you can have that just extends the evening for the audience in yeah. some way um, and we see that is it does create attention for people the so the, the venues are amateur venues mm -hmm. but the productions that you put on there I guess they have to be of a certain quality it's not yeah yes they do we've we've fought long and hard for 25 years to sort of say there's always an assumption it's rural so it's a bit amateur because it's not in a theatre because people credit the word theatre or theatre building with quality and we've been trying to say but that's the space irrelevant yeah. and that's changed now absolutely and we try and explain to people who are finding out a bit about us that um, it's the same show you might see at the Duke studio or the Royal Exchange we try and use venues that people know but instead of you going there and having to do all the parking and all the hassle we're bringing it to you and then people start to understand that it's about the art and the show and not the building that we're sitting in that makes it high quality but your audience is still an audience and they still have a right to something that's excellent and they still want to feel that they've had a, a great offer that shouldn't be diminished because it's in a village hall we accept some 
you know, except the lighting might not be as great because we have those limits. But if you go away going, you know, with a memory or moved or you've had a great, you know, entertaining night out, then that's really important because there's still audiences for the arts. Yeah, absolutely. Even in isolated places. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not an easy option for a writer or no. a, basically the quality's got to be there. Yeah. Well, it's very exposing. You know, if you've got your critic coming up immediately after the show, <laughs> putting a cup of tea, wanting to have a yeah. conversation about it, you've got to be sure about what it is you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Can, can I just dial back a little bit? Well, you said before that you'd like to be approached at the early stages. Mm. How, what, how does that happen? What, what do we do as artists or theatre makers? Bring us up. <laughs> phones us anymore, you know. It, it used to be um, people would send their offer on a piece of paper in the post and you get a nice letter. And then everyone's got digital and they say, well, here's a link to my show. And that's really boring because your email just gets overwhelmed. And, and then it disappears off the bottom of the page and then you file it and it's really, it just gets lost. Mm. And we find that um, phone conversations are really nice. And even if you're just ringing up to inquire, you know, I'm just having an inquiry, I've got this idea for next year, can you pick your brains? We really like that because then you build a relationship and rural touring is all about relationships right. and trust. So if you never talk to us and you never engage with us and you just want us to book a show that we don't know anything about, based on one email it's really hard invite us to see your show if you're at the edinburgh festival make sure we know because we go to festivals and events um most rural touring networks are quite small so we can't get out and see anything but mm. if you if you've got a show in north yorkshire and you're talking to me i have a colleague in north yorkshire that might be able to go because yeah. we talk to each other artists forget that yeah. We do talk to each other. Well, there's networks everywhere. We're always getting advice. Oh, what were they like? Oh, were they? Oh, we're not booking them then. Um, so I think just that, because that's what works, and you need the patience for that, and it might take a long time before you get in a room or get a commission. But but it's just better to have that kind of professional relationship and not just see it as another another gig. Yeah. So you, you have a plan. Have a plan and assume it's going to take you a year or two years and, and work on that plan and yeah. see it as marketing and friend making at the beginning. Yeah, so that's important, isn't it, about yeah. building relationships. I think that is something else that we, we overlook sometimes about. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, it's about building relationships today that might help in three or four years' yes. time, you know, not waiting yes. until you've got the perfect yeah. thing. And if you're a writer and you're interested in rural touring, you know, you have to then have to promote companies to take on your work, don't you, I'm assuming, and, and start working that way. So find out who's already done it, mm. what worked for them, go and see their shows, do some do some research. We always catch people out because they say, oh, I'm really into rural touring. And you go, oh, brilliant, when was the last thing you saw? And it's like, oh, you haven't been in a village, yeah. have you? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, go and do that first and then come back to us and have a proper chat what sort of uh, size audiences do you, do you tend to get i would say our average capacity is about 80 to 90 um and we run at about 72 percent capacity so i'm guessing our audiences range from 50 people to about 100 mm. 110 um so not huge studio yeah. size that's yeah, all i can yeah. say really um, and how does it work out? Sort of, 
the financial deal. Yeah. You know, so because some people might think, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm sort of doing these little venues and yes. things. How, you know, it's yeah. not really going to pay its way. Yeah. What we do is it's a subsidised programme. Um, and the case when we talk to the venues is that we like to spend our subsidy on supporting companies that they couldn't afford without it. So if it was a folk band um, who had their own network or a brass band, they don't need public subsidy to get an audience in for a show like that. What we say is, this gives you something special and extra. So when we're talking to artists, that subsidy um, helps cover any fee difference between what they might get from a larger venue and ticket income and what they would expect to get. From a small village hall so the deal we have and all the networks are different um, is we have three tiers so if you if we decide you're a tier one show um, the venue will receive a hundred percent guarantee against loss against the, the artist's fee but we agree the fee before we go out and book you so the venue books on on the basis of that fee and then the venue pays the artist and recoups any loss um, then we have a tier two, which is 50-50 risk, and a tier three is the venue pays the full cost. So the more confident you are in the show in a venue, the less subsidy you get. But we use our subsidy for those shows, you, you know, like dance or literature development or something, where yeah. um, they'd be amazing for audiences to see, but they're a bit less confident to go out and book. And that really, that's what we use our money for. So in terms of fee structure, um, I mean, one person show, obviously someone turning up in a car, is going to be much cheaper than a dance company. But I would say the range is between about 350, 400, and our top is about 750 that we can reach because we have a limited amount of subsidy available. Yeah. Some schemes are richer than that. So when we say to an artist, who's producing a show, if they can make their tour work within that fee structure, they've got more chance of earning gigs. Um, if they need more than that and they're still setting out, then they probably need to go to an R&D fund to the Arts Council to cover their tour costs and develop it. But once it's in your repertoire, then it's the cost of going out yeah. yeah so yeah so it's about developing a show that can operate in any space so mm -hmm. that's minimal cost around yeah. set and props yeah. and stuff like that yeah. um, and being able to transport the set in the back of a car yeah. or van and yeah then... so obviously two musicians from Keithley who can go home at night and turn up in their car with their PA in the back can come out at a cheaper rate than you know a five piece theatre company from Shropshire who will need us to provide accommodation which is why we say just if you're not sure talk to us yeah um, and the rural touring forum national rural touring forum um, has advice and resources for companies as well and to find out about yeah that. we'll include a link to that in yeah. the show yeah. notes yeah so um so that's interesting then so you it's a fee basis so it's mm. not like a box office split or anything no, so when gosh. you're planning the tour you know Yes. How much you're going to Absolutely. get. Yeah, whether it sells out, you get 10 people in. At least the artist knows they get paid and the venue knows there's a backup mm. from us in the event of that situation. Mm. So it helps you with the planning. 
We're too small to do a box office split. And if you've only got a capacity of 50, yeah. then your ticket price will start to price out the local population. Yeah, of course. So we try and, when we talk to venues, our ticket price, we say, is between 8 and £10. Pounds, um, because it's not a posh theatre company seats. So we have to keep the price down. Yeah. But it is a professional theatre night out. And we expect it to be... If it's too cheap, then you're undermining it. Yeah. So it's once you've got that ticket balance, then there's always going to be a gap. So in terms of a theatre performance rather than dance or uh, performance art, in terms of theatre mm-hmm. performance, is there anything that works particularly well or doesn't work well or things you look for, things you don't look for? Um, universal themes work well because... Because our audiences are small in terms of a catchment, so say you have a village of 200 people, then the more specific and niche the subject, the smaller your audience is you're drawing from. So the more it has universal themes or the more, uh, I don't necessarily want to say family friendly, but the, the more general appeal you can create, then the easier it is to sell. Um, people like... People like a distraction, so don't assume because it's rural they want to hear about farming. No. Or, you know, they get a bit bored of that. Yeah. They, they, want, they want love and passion and Different. crime and, and all the things that everyone else wants. Um, don't assume because they're rural you, you can't write something that's going to be, uh, say, dramatic. You know, the themes that are in EastEnders or something like that, that's absolutely fine. Um but you are sometimes going into a venue where we swearing is a thing we talk about all the time, um, and we say swearing might be absolutely fine in a studio, but if you find yourself performing in a Methodist hall and there's children's paintings behind you, it feels odd mm. in the audience, and that's why we we have those kind of conversations. But we're not opposed to it. It's just being aware of the social situation that you're in. Yeah. Um, otherwise, pretty much anything goes as long as it's got an interval. <laughs> as long as it's going to, I think that would be the. I think that would just be our little catchphrase yeah. for this podcast. Yeah, as yeah. long as it's got an interval. Because yeah. we've, I mean, there's so many shows, and of course now you've asked me, so I've gone completely blank. Um, but we've just toured Ruth Coburn. Um, she's done a show about love stories from Blackpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's a local interest in Blackpool, but equally, everyone knows what it's like going to the seaside. So she was touring it somewhere else yeah. in the UK. It's about going to the seaside and falling in love. And she found some letters in her mum's attic and she started talking to local people about love and where's the best place to have a date in Blackpool. And Great. Got all of that kind of social history. And that's a really good example of rural touring because it was a very high quality show. She can tour that into theatres and she can tour it into libraries and village halls. But the audience relates to it mm-hmm. and the audience at whatever age was able to relate to it because she had young people talking about going out in Blackpool as did well as elderly people reminiscing. Did, did she use audio or was it all, Was it a one-woman play? It was one woman, but it was... Uh, she, she'd written her own songs and then she had some audio recordings of people she'd interviewed which she would use in amongst her own uh, narrative that she'd written as so, well. So sometimes she was in character, sometimes she was explaining... Sometimes you'd heard, sometimes you'd hear somebody's voice 
That's really interesting. Yeah. I started out in stand-up with Ruth at the same yes. time. We used to do all Did the you? same open, oh, open wow. mic shows, and <laughs> we were both in the final together of the Hull Comedian of the Year 2010. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Who won? <laughs> Me, but uh, <laughs> but it's not about that. Uh, but thanks for asking, Ginny. Yeah. But yeah, no, she she's great. So it's really interesting yeah. to hear that with her because I mean she yes. was always a musical comedian, yes. but like to hear yes. her taking that yes. into a different sort of yeah. thing and more narrative thing yeah. and but yeah it's great oh, we've just had ladies at the bus which is a show commissioned by um the dukes and brewery arts center and theater by lake and apologies if i get that wrong um and they wanted something that connected all three venues and the 555 bus route runs from lancaster to keswick so they commissioned a company to talk to people who use the bus oh the bus great company. i'd love that yeah. and then so again it's local interest but everyone knows what it's like to get on a bus, so they could tour it. I don't know if they're planning to, but it was lovely because we had it at Bolton Sands Library and they've done their interviews at the library and then the library is on the bus route. So they talk about getting the bus to Bolton Sands and the audience immediately yeah. are engaged. Mm. But it doesn't matter if you're not from Bolton Sands. If you're sat somewhere else, you know that feeling of the local bus and all the yeah. characters that are on it. What precedent would you do you expect your your artists to have like do they, do you want them to have proven career or proven success before they approach you or is it based on the quality of the work that they're suggesting um we work with emerging artists and mentoring so we need them to have a level of understanding even though if they haven't toured rurally a background in theatre production or writing or some knowledge mm. professionally of the yeah. work because um, we can then help them redevelop and focus it and we run a mentoring scheme which Sam took part in mm. the Lowry yeah. um, a couple of years but we've also worked with other partners to develop rural touring shows and artists are coming with ideas or they're just newly graduated and they've done one or two tours but there's been something about them that you kind of yeah you know this person's showing an interest and they've got a spark and we'll get in at the beginning and mm. help them focus and build their career um, so a professional, able to show a professional commitment and understanding is really important. So that's the, the rural touring part of things. So what about, um, you do offer opportunities, commissioning opportunities mm -hmm. and things like that as well? Well, that's, we would love to do more than that in terms of commissioning. Um, I love commissioning. It's like going shopping. It's just the best thing in terms of being able to set something off. So a lot of our commissioning, because we're a small network, we've done in partnership with other schemes over the years. So we've raised money from the Arts Council and then we've worked together. Um, but this year we've got um, lottery funding for three, two years to create six new pieces of work about Lancashire in some form. So we've had two digital commissions, um, which one one toured libraries and is now online and one we're just selecting at the moment we've had two outdoor commissions so we're developing outdoor work so we're going to tour those in the summer and um we've just done a library commission project um which you, no it's all right can you tell us tell, tell us a bit about that what 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 were the commissions what did they involve then? Um, well, if I talk about one that's live and out there, so a couple of years ago we we had some strategic touring funding to commission a, a show for young people for libraries, 
and we had librarians on the panel and we commissioned Sophia Hatfield to who pitched a show which became Common Law, which was about modern day fairy stories and modern day like grim stories. But um, she gave it a kind of modern twist and it had digital technology and she researched it with those librarians. Um, but what worked with that is then she's now got it in her repertoire as a touring artist. So she's going to Scotland and she's going to Cornwall with it. So for us, commissioning gives us a chance to get in right at the beginning with a company nurture them and support them on the way, guarantee them some income, some marketing, some profile, and then guarantee them entry into the network that we're part of so that they can then develop their career as an artist. But then it's taking our badge and our name out there mm. and raising our profile as well. And often what's lovely about commissioning is that it just fills a gap. So if we feel like you know, something isn't coming forward from existing offers from artists or we feel like uh, we're falling down in some way, then raising the funds to develop our own project is a really nice way of fixing that. Yeah, because our, we won't necessarily know what which audiences aren't getting to see. Yes. Like quality theatre or theatre that would be perhaps yeah. relevant to them or... Or things that they're interested yeah. in. But... And the artists themselves like it because the chance now, certainly in our sector, we don't have those pots of money to commission. No. We have little fees, but we don't have big pots of money. The The theatres are in a better position. So for us to raise money from the Arts Council and then offer a 10 grand commission is something that's the artists themselves really like. Yeah. And it gives yeah. them a chance. Yeah. I, can, I would I say so. We do. We do. <laughs> and to make something substantial rather than scrapping about trying to develop your own practice whilst also running your theatre workshops and doing all the other things you're trying yeah. to do to, to feed yourself. Yeah. I'd love to do more. Unfortunately, it's it's something we ourselves have to keep fundraising for. And sometimes that making a difference can it can be years but what you find is in our work you'll you'll sit down with an audience member or someone in the community and they go oh that show that came here with that thing in it and you go that was 10 years ago <laughs> that was the best thing i've seen and i still think about it now and it's those little nuggets of things that you yeah. leave so we had james mcpherson he produced a show that involved a giant inflating lobster <laughs> and the reason why he wanted the lobster in the show as he wanted the audience to be, he wanted the community to say, do you remember that show that had the lobster <laughs> and how it filled the village hall? Brilliant. And yeah. um, it's those sort of things. That I think yeah, because really nice. that is a really good uh, yeah. tip, that I think, for writers and theatre yes. makers to think about that, yeah. about, um, you know, and you know, I'm thinking about myself really, I need to remember this. Um, about creating really memorable visual experiences yes. yeah. and in the context of the space that the play's been yeah. performed in because you're writing this thing in your head and we, we can focus a lot on the words, can't we, I think, yes. as writers particularly around yeah. the theatre makers. And, uh, yeah, that thing of coming up with what would be, you know, an image yeah. that is going to stay with yeah. people, I think that's a really yeah. good lesson. Yeah. And I think also with rural touring, you'll probably, you know, village might get a show twice a year so it's a real event for them and having that kind of impact is really important you know mm. it has to stand out in the village calendar yeah. so for an artist to be aware of that the other thing that we works really well is food we find shows that involve food or that we can incorporate food with our promoters 
and really works and they like to bring, bring have you got in. an example of that yeah chip shop chips chip shop yeah chips. chip shop chips yeah yeah do you wear the box of chips <laughs> box of chips yes yes we yeah. told them so chip shop chips was just great in that sense of it was a piece of theatre but you got your fish and chips as well in the show and we but we have um you know hot pot suppers are very traditional in Lancashire so you can get your your tea as well as the show and we've got venues that don't have licenses but our audiences bring bring their own food and wine and I've sat I've forgotten this has happened in some venues and I've not taken anything and I've sat there with a glass of water <laughs> while someone next to me has got a whole smoked salmon out and a bottle of wine yeah. watching a show or a well it's more likely to be music in that sort of situation and it becomes like a mass community picnic yeah. going and on the so. cast get fed as well yeah. and the crew although this is what I, I found with uh, with my show when I did that so we had a crew of about I think it was about five of us and uh, we'd get there and you know Vera from around the corner yes. made us like a pie yeah. and like brought this home cooked meal and we're all sitting around oh, it's like wow this is amazing this <laughs> is better what? than you get in any theatre <laughs> hospitality is really important and it's about creating the relation this is why trust is important that relationship yeah. between the artists and the community and making it more than just coming and doing a gig so so ba- i mean box of tricks are a really brilliant established theatre mm-hmm. company um do you do you prioritize the theatre companies who you've worked with before or no we don't um we like to build relationships with companies we'd ra- and we like to have a long-term relationship with them because they develop and change but um it's quite a big market out there and it would be unfair to new artists if you had your locked down kind of portfolio yeah. you always work with because sometimes it might not be the right show next time or the company might want to do something different that yeah. doesn't work for you um, or somebody else might come along with an offer that complements the menu so um, we, we wouldn't say no um, to maintaining a relationship but we like to kind of keep things fresh a little bit I'll say you know because sometimes it could be two or three years before the next show comes forward from a company and someone yeah. else can fill that um, yeah so we like to have a, a mix around I think that's hard for companies though because they want to have a regular regular gigs but we're only small yeah it doesn't always mm. work but, but there are I mean there's a know. whole country full of you know um touring associations yes. aren't there so actually yes. you can tour the whole of the UK yes. doing this yeah. if you want to yeah yeah that's it if you get your marketing right and your show right you can go off down to the southwest for a season and then head off to the northeast and then come back to us two years later or um, and move about mm. how about um, have you noticed that the, what's being written and made has changed in terms of diversity and Yes, I have. And I think um, I've noticed that it's a good thing as well. I think it's a combination of realising you can't stereotype your audiences. So don't make assumptions about what rural audiences look like or what they want to see. Mm. But also it's been really good that companies have been challenged to look for new stories or new ways of presenting ideas that that show the world how it is. Because um, for so many reasons, firstly, rural England is part of the world the 21st century and it's, it's wrong to assume that because you're a rural community you don't want to hear about urban stories or you don't want to hear about stories from other parts of the world it's um, that's a stereotype but it's also to keep uh keep contemporary artists 
involved and keep people involved and kind of the touring side of things as well and not not always you know get lazy yeah when we're touring we get lazy it's good to be challenged yeah. we have new ideas coming in and i think the arts council um creative it's a shame that you have to create a policy to encourage it but it mm. does make us think differently about who is out there to think differently about what kind of shows would work for our audiences that perhaps are making assumptions about and then trying those out and finding that they work and I think that's really important. Yeah, how about accessibility because well I, I won't make any assumptions about the buildings or the venues but is that an issue accessibility for people with disabilities? And... Um, a lot of our modern libraries and village, village halls are pretty good at access for audiences um libraries in particular because they're public buildings village halls have gone through a process of development where they're really aware of all the basic things about ramps and all of those things but we still have, i think have an issue if you're a disabled artist yeah actually the backstage side of things is really challenging because we're working with some old buildings that just can't move but if, if you can get in on the ground floor and your needs are met in that way um and in terms of disability things like hearing loops and things like that things are getting better right. but we find with our audiences it's more emotional access so older people are nervous to go out at night so we put shows on in the afternoon or families yeah. you know it's more accessible for a young family to get out for a tea time show than an evening show and thinking about accessing that sort of wider um yeah, bringing it social access and sort of emotional yeah. access is really important for people so it's less an issue of physically can your audience get in and out of the building as as more about um is it affordable will they feel welcomed um is someone nervous the nice thing about rural touring shows is they are smaller audiences yeah. so you're not overwhelmed with crowds and those things that we try and focus on mm. as well and bearing in mind that um that there may be an aspect where people are, are perhaps more isolated in their home life um if they live in rural areas, mm. not necessarily, of course, people are lonely and we're isolated in yeah. suburbs, aren't they? But in terms of trigger warnings or, or traumatic themes and stuff, do you find that that... That's... We've been having a debate about it, yes. Um, we do need to know forms. We've started, we started some crib sheets now, so every show we put on our Facebook page for the show, a need to know, so mm. where you can park, is there a bar, does it involve... Um, flashlighting, um, are there any particular themes that you need to be aware of? And then we encourage people to have a conversation with us. Um, because we're working directly with the promoter, we can feed a lot of information in early right. on. Um, but we haven't picked up on it as an issue from our audience in yeah. terms of concern. I mean, if the text is clear enough, yeah, you know, that's you're not as exposed. If you're in the middle of a row of a hundred seats, yeah, yeah. It's it's slightly me. more uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Whereas, sorry, yeah, and people know their communities. So I, um, I, I'm not sure if I'm making this up, but it might have been. We may have been a community where somebody's husband died tragically, and they're very aware of that person being in the audience. So yeah. that it's almost about looking after someone and yeah. saying, actually, this show's got this theme in it. Are you alright with that? And checking people out, and that's yeah. the really nice thing about community touring is that they kind of know what's what's possible and what could be yeah, yeah it's a responsibility that yeah that you can fulfill it's yeah. great 
When did you have conversations with these artists? How long ago? This would have been six months minimum in development. So this is the autumn, this is spring 2020 season. And that menu would have gone out in September last year. So in the four months leading up to then, we would have been having conversations. Right, okay. Um, but, but that doesn't mean you have to work a six month cycle if you're an artist, if you're planning a year ahead still get in touch with us yeah because we just run lots of spreadsheets and lots of files yeah. and we can we can move you around yeah i mean um, from my experience i would say it's like as early as you can really isn't it to get in touch even if, if you know there's something you yeah. want to do in two years time talk about it as soon as you can really don't yeah worry. absolutely get it into our head um because what you don't want to do is to suddenly remember rural touring, have a show to sell in four months' time and ring us up and go, we just sent the menu out yesterday. Yeah. And that's you. You're gone for six months then. Always keep that conversation yeah. going. And it's never wrong to be too early. So I'm going to phone you up, Sue, and say, hi, Sue, how's the apple trees going? What are your top tips? <laughs> My top tips are be patient, take your time, communicate, make friends. Because if you get it right at the beginning, you'll have more chance of a longer career in the sector afterwards. Great. Because it's all about relationships and trust. That's really excellent. Thanks very much, yeah, Sue. It's been a real Sue. pleasure. Great chatting to you. Thank yeah. you. So here's a quick recap of the top tips that I noted down. Rural touring gives artists access to 2,000 venues throughout the UK. It's about bringing professional theatre to non-theatre venues. Rural touring pays professional fees. As in all theatre, universal themes work well, but don't shy away from contemporary urban subject matter. Keep colourful language to a minimum. Improve your chances by including an interval. Food and giant inflatable lobsters also go down well. Get in touch early in your process. Pick up the phone. It's all about building relationships. So, Ginny, what in particular will you take away from the chat with Sue? I think the main thing was how approachable she was and how accessible she made rural touring seem. I love the idea of just phoning her up at the early stages of a creative process and saying, do you think that this would be something that we could talk about in terms of a future in rural touring or just to get her advice? She's obviously extremely knowledgeable about theatre making just a valuable person to speak to. I think she's open to being used as a resource. That's part of her job and she sees it as part of her responsibility, which I really liked as well. Yeah, and she's always, like, I I, I tested it out the other day because I rang her up and, uh, yeah, she was genuinely pleased to hear from me and to have a conversation, you know, like she's so enthusiastic. I think if you've got a show that can work with a small cast and simple tech requirements and you've got a set that can fit in the back of a car or a van, then it's really worth exploring. And if you're a playwright and not a theatre maker, I think it's well worth approaching small theatre companies about producing a play for rural touring or even partnering up with a producer, you know, to, to put together a small uh, group yourself to, to make it. So I think, yeah, as a writer, it's really worth, like, you don't always have to wait for opportunities to come to you. You can make opportunities happen by, you know, talking to someone like Sue. So I think you're right about that. So that's all for this episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends, share it on social media. And if you've got an iPhone, find us on the Apple Podcast app and give us five stars because it makes search engines like us. And that means it helps new listeners to find us. So that would be great if you can do that. 
So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Bye. Bye.